My name is Young Warrior. I'm a young sound system here based in London, UK. I'm also a DJ selector, um, also sometimes singer and a promoter of various reggae and bass-orientated events in the UK and internationally. My background stems from being the son of a legendary dub artist and dub sound system called Jashaka, um, which is which has definitely um, influenced my style, what I listen to, and basically my sound system. Well, looking at Brent, there was many organisations which came under the borough of Brent. One of them is world-renowned, which is Green Seeds Records, which was one of uh, the independent, with very few independent record labels and publishers in the UK that dealt specifically with reggae music. Also, you had a reggae distribution centre also, um, by the name of Jetstar, which was also in the area of Brent. Um, these places were great places and places where reggae artists would attend and reggae artists would always frequent. It was a place where there wasn't many reggae music distributors in the UK um, other than mainstream. So you had our own kind of mainstream underground, which was companies just like these. While growing up, um, I was listening to them. What I heard in my home was, on my mother's side, it was a lot of soul, a lot of Barry White, Luther Van Dross, Diana Ross, the, the Supremes. Um, and with my father, it was more reggae. So it was definitely more Berlin Spear, Bob Marley, Dennis Brown, Gregory Isaacs, Delroy Wilson, many greats from the UK and Jamaica. The first record I purchased, which I would never forget, which was a Bob Marley 12-inch called Keep On Moving. Um, I purchased this with my grandma. I was actually with my grandma. She was shopping, and I had some money on me. Um, we were in Peckham at the time on Peckham High Street. And imagine a young boy pulling and carrying his grandma's shopping bags and say, Grandma, give me two minutes. I want to go into this record shop. And she would come in with me, and I was there listening and going through the records, and that was my first purchase at the time, and I think it was twelve ninety nine. I listen to reggae music on all different formats. So whether it be CDs, whether it be streaming on YouTube, um, either Spotify, um, also obviously going and the events that I, I host, I'm obviously listening to reggae music and also at the festivals I play at worldwide in some, you know, in the desolate places of in the middle of nowhere you hear reggae music. So reggae music is something which, no matter how far you go, you, there's always a spot where you can actually listen to reggae music, or there would be that one reggae guy which has a few records which you could hear, or he's playing his little sound system somewhere. So myself, personally, there's many different ways which I um, embrace reggae music and experience reggae music. Reggae events are still underground. However, obviously, with the development of Facebook and creating events online, and how the interfaces work, as in if you can, you can post an event on Facebook and it then will link to maybe um, Spotify or that person's touring event diary. Social media is all linked up. So most of the time you just hear about it online or you maybe send a flyer on WhatsApp, um, which is then, I guess, word of mouth, digital word of mouth. And yes, so those, that's how it, how it is now. And obviously with, with the internet and YouTube, you can actually linking and when you, you're listening to a track, it actually links into recommended events or recommended diaries or things which are similar to what you're listening to. So it keeps that link and that circle still moving where people who may have never listened or experienced reggae, if they listen to one track, they can go more in and more in and more in. Personally, there's so much 
great records out there concerning reggae from all different eras. Me, myself, um, I, I, I don't have one specific particular track, but I do have artists which I frequently listen to, which are the likes of Johnny Clark, the likes of Burning Spear, also Garnet Silk, um, Dennis Brown, um, Roger Robin, many other UK, UK artists such as Peter Huntingale, which represent the UK branch of reggae music, which was effectively coming from Jamaica. For some reason, and, and I'm, I'm talking from memory here, and what I've heard on the grapevine about Brent and what Brent had to offer, there were certain places in the UK which had a massive influx of Black Caribbeans at that time during the 70s. Notting Hill also being one of these areas. A lot of Norfolk, something like Harlesden, Neesden, Wembley, um, further going up, Hammersmith had a lot of Caribbean cultures. And with that influx of Caribbean culture, obviously, there was a lot of blues parties, which are house parties as people have come to know them as. Also, underground parties, basement parties, which then obviously is going to lead to DJs, is going to lead to the need of sound systems. So these kind of areas which were popular with Caribbean culture then fed into the industry as record shops. You had obviously Notting Hill, Carnival, you had People's Sound, you had so many different sound systems and entities and organisations which then fed into the culture of reggae music and British UK reggae music. The impact of sound systems and pirate radio stations are basically the the foundation of our PR, as in our promotional resources to promote our music. There was not many radio stations or any frequent radio stations or media outlets where reggae music could be played. Reggae music is very, you know, anti-establishment. It's also the frequency of the music is very different. It's not a commercial frequency. Uh, well, now it is now, obviously, with the evolution of, of, of bass music. However, prior to the, all of this, you know, there weren't many outlets for our music to play. This is why there was the need of our, our, own, our own DJ outlets, as in sound systems, and also pirate radio stations which addressed the concerns of the Caribbean community. May it have been the Tottenham riots, may it have been the New Cross fire, all of these things which affected us. We had, it was our voice. It is our voice and always will be our voice. We can, we can get somewhat into the mainstream. However, the actual crucial need, the things which may be scorned upon or, or, or may seem to be too much for the mainstream, we still have our outlets. And now you have even more outlets where it comes when it comes to independent. When you have places like YouTube, you have places like Facebook, you have all of these places where we can actually express ourselves and actually spread what we are doing. Without without these tools and these resources and these vehicles like sound system traveling up and down the breadth of the country, sometimes for events in the night. You know, one sound system would play one club for a few hours, pack all the boxes down in their vans drive up to Nottingham, play another another event, drive up to Leeds, play another event. That's mass, mass promotion, you know, and these guys were doing it off of their own backs. They weren't necessarily paid a million pounds to promote these songs. They were doing them for the love and the need of us as the general community needing to hear them, to uplift us, to enjoy ourselves, to know what is going on, what is happening down in New Cross, what's happening over in in Neesden, what's happening over in Wembley? These were the, the places that created these things. Well, the thing is, sound system, when a sound system plays, it's an event. 
So people need clothes. People want to look good. People want to go out. You know, people want to wear the latest things. So you had people, when a dance was coming up, an event was coming up, you know, the ladies would go get their hairs done, their nails done. They want to get the latest outfits. So may that have even been a seamstress. A woman, an independent woman, would, like, separate from the shop that would make her own garments. Maybe the garments that the Black Caribbeans want to wear are not being sold in, like, Debenhams or Topshop. You know, these are places where you may have African print, bright colours, the kind of materials which we see now, today, being worn so frivolously and commercially. These kind of events supported all of that. You had the woman that was making the food. So obviously, she would have to buy her ingredients. You had the sound system guys, which were then buying equipment, and these equipment from shops, different independent engineers as well. So the whole the whole industry was actually being supported. You had flyers which were being made from maybe um, local print shops. It's a massive it's a ma- it's massive enterprise. Sound system is a massive enterprise. You have many people within the sound system. You know they. You had somebody doing making the the boxes. You had somebody going and buying the records. Somebody's driving the van. Somebody's dealing with the venue, booking the venue, hiring the venue. Somebody's doing the promotion, going around sticking up the flyers, the big X zero posters, going around to the radio stations, getting the radio DJs to play. It's a massive, massive task. And these are tasks of which nowadays you have PR companies which charge a lot of money for this. And this is what I'm saying. We were doing this off our own backs with minute amounts of money or sometimes no money. And just the fact of I know this person, I know that person, we're doing it for the greater good. These were things and events that we are we were self-sufficient. We didn't have any any funding. We didn't have no sponsorship. It was all about us doing our thing and having our thing. And this was way, 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 way back in before the technology, before it was as easy as it is now to promote an event. Reggae music influenced fashion massively. You have, you know, there was a style when it comes to reggae music, especially in the 70s. You had people in the beachy shirts, you know, the kind of mafia looking. It was about that whole mafia look, so long trench coats, sharp shoes, the popular UK brand. Um, like I said, the beachy shirts. You had people in their mafia glasses, like all darked out glasses, but the side of the face, you can't even see the person's eyes. The mafia glass, always known. It was a certain look. And obviously, when these images were coming from vice versa on record sleeves of artists in Jamaica, there was a kind of look. The baggy trousers with the Greg Razak was very popular for this, you know, just, just the string vest, shirt open, you know, the belt just hanging, not, not done up, just hanging. You know, it's around you, but it's just hanging at the front. It was a look, it was that whole kind of rough, ghetto, but it had a, a swag. It was swag. It was, a, it, was, it was highly fashionable back then. And now you still, music influences fashion massively, even by the talk of the lingo, the word people's vocabulary is so influenced by the music. When it comes to reggae, I think every year and every decade, there's a new dance. There's people in the dance halls, making up dances, you know, scuba, you know, the twist. There's all different kind of dance moves which go to different songs. And obviously the tempo of our music, we dance differently. As Africans, we dance differently. We feel the music really differently. So sometimes you may have, you know, the more concerted kind of dance now, or when you go to a shaka dance or a real heavy dub dance, you, you really see the African side dances come out because that's the music, that's the style and the message of the music which is being played. 
So you, you'll see all different things where men and women are in their spirituality of the music is very deep. So how they dance, they dance free, as in the spirit is dancing. All kind of inhibitions have gone, and they're there dancing within their spirituality. And you see this today, and you saw this yesterday. Reggae music has always been a platform for protest, even from when it was first created. It was kind of like this, like, back in the day in Jamaica, it was it was like this nice music, you know? And then it got, obviously, with the influence of Rastafari and Rastafarianism, it became very, very spiritual, very revolutionary. And we hear that in the lyrics and how the music is being played. Also, going back to this, I have to reference the actual keys and chords of the music which is being played. Now, the chords are, are being played, which are minor chords. Minor chords are very popular in old songs, slavery songs, gospel music. Minor chords are very, very crucial and are the foundation of the culture. Minor chords, where it sounds like you're wailing, the cries. These are very emotional chords. Now, reggae music has always used these chords. It hasn't used major chords, which are very happy, you know, very ah, la, 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 happy birthday to you. It's not, it's not like that. Our music is almost like a crying. There's a heartfelt in it. So the, the actual, so these chords matched with the vocal is actually pushing out a kind of tone, a frequency, which is so different and so emotional. And obviously, because of the lyrics that we're speaking about, it's very heartfelt. You can actually feel what we're talking about. And these are chords which, like I say, come from slavery days, okay? So there's people that this somehow it awakens them. What they hear awakens them. The frequencies, the deep tones in the music, it awakens something within them. Now, these kind of chords and all of these similarities and all of these kind of qualities have now transcended slowly and slowly, year by year, into the mainstream with acts like Stormzy, with music like Grime, with music like Trap, with music like Garage and Grime. All of these kind of music take these certain qualities from that deepness, the depth of the bass, the frequencies, the chords, the, 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 how, where the kick drum is in the music. It's totally all there. And that is now filtering into the mainstream where you have the likes like Ed Sheeran on a dance hall beat. You have Britney Spears using effects and sirens and all these little samples, which like my father, my father's siren that he plays in a dance, you know, sound effects are now in the mainstream. You hear them now in, in um, you hear all of these effects in house music, soulful house music, deep house, you know, places where you go to Ibiza and I hear a sound effect, I'm like, but that's a sound effect from maybe Kilimanjaro sound system in Jamaica. But it's there and it's being played on a beach. People in their sunglasses, tops off, and everybody's just dancing in the mainstream kind of way. It's it's very weird, but that's the influence of the music. My connection with the reggae scene is obviously I'm an artist within the reggae scene. So I'm still going to studios. I'm still out there DJing at concerts and also putting on my own events. So my contribution to the industry is still ongoing. There's many other individuals which are, are there contributing towards the music. There are many organisers and promoters still putting on events and playing out there. Mine is just a different take where I'm more aiming for a younger audience, as in I'm trying to maintain and bring in the younger people into the industry, you know, make it a bit more attractive to the younger individual, because I've been doing it for a long time. 
and this has been very successful in doing this to where it's kind of filtering the young people just obviously because of my look my age how I talk how I present myself it's a bit more appealing to them it's a bit more they understand I look like them I talk like them so it's a bit more easy to kind of understand than you know a really really old guy gray beard you know just you know talking where they 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 may think oh it's their father talking to them or their granddad you know I can talk to them as a friend and play music to them and obviously me growing up I listened to the likes of Miss Dynamite I listened to the likes of Tubby T, Stush, um, so many different people, So Solid Crew, Pay As You Go, Heartless Crew, I listened to all of that so my experience growing up here in the UK has also helped that, that I can actually bring the music to the mainstream and actually be influenced by the mainstream as well. For Brent to really represent the influence and the power of reggae music within the borough, I think it would be great to have like some concerts, also maybe pamphlets, and yet definitely a museum, some type of museum or exhibitions, or even if it was a library talk, a series of library talks where people came in and just gave discussions about what they did and how they, you know, contributed to, to the industry in Brent. Um, also, there may even be council members that actually work within Brent Council, which actually attended some of these events and some of these actual shows. So it would be very weird and strange, but you may have a councillor which is saying, yes, I did go to that house party when I was younger and I heard this person, I heard Smiley Culture and I heard Michael Prophet, you know, and they can talk about their experience, very influential people, which can talk about their experience to actually show I am also from the area and I also went through this and this has also influenced me. Um, so maybe, like I said, maybe some library talks, some exhibitions, some shows, maybe even an album, an actual physical musical album of artists which came from Brent or had passed through Brent. Um, that would be great, a physical album. That would be that would be amazing, actually. And you could also work with Greensleeve, who is still available to distribute it. Who knows? But you have to pay me for the idea. 